So, um, this this past week, uh, what's today? Like the 20, 20-something of January. This past week, um, I turned 33 on the 12th. And then, um, because of where my birthday falls, and, I'm, and I've been educated for going on seven years now, um, I get off Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is generally celebrated on that, on that January the 15th. And, you know, I have had many different varying or evolving ideas of... <clears throat> Black History Month or celebrating certain um, certain figures at certain times. But, you know, this isn't a podcast for that. This is just about Martin Luther King Jr. And over the increasing years, I've just become more and more frustrated with how Martin Luther King Jr. is presented and even how we even talk about his life, his legacy and kind of just moving forward. So just to kind of jump straight into it, most people, when they hear about Martin Luther King Jr., the first thing that you think about is I have a dream. I have a dream that you won't be judged by the uh, uh, color of your skin, but the content of your character. You know, I have a dream. Um, And that is definitely one of one of his more famous speeches. Um, But one of the most frustrating things about me is that is that they've sanitized Martin Luther King Jr. They've, they've in a way, made him palpable um, and easy to digest. Martin Luther King Jr., yes, he fought against some bad white people, but for the most part, he was on the side of right, and most people supported him, and most people liked him. And, it, and it's just categorical, like, that's a, that's a falsehood. Like, that's a lie. That is a lie. Um, so let's just take it back. You know, you go back two years ago when you have Black Lives Matter, uh, marching in Ferguson, you have civil unrest, uh, you have places in Baltimore because of Freddie Gray. Um, you have multiple different organizations and community leaders coming together planning acts of civil disobedience, right? Um, and it gets to the point where, you know, people are even are, are, are even bragging about police officers, normal people, whoever, are bragging about running protesters over that march in the road, right? Well, on January the 15th and we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr., what did he do? He marched in the road. Like, Martin Luther King Jr. was a criminal. By, by all stretches of imagination, he was a criminal. He broke the law. The law of the land stated that he might or he might not be able to uh, hold marches. Sometimes it was a technicality. Other times he had legal permission to hold the uh, marches. But there were instances in which people in his march responded with violence. There were instances in which people under his command were arrested. He himself was arrested and spent time in jail. He was by all definitions a criminal, but yet why do we celebrate him? Because we understand that the laws he was breaking were unjust. And now we look back and say, hey, to call a black person a, a nigger to their face is probably not the best thing to do. Or to say whites only, colors have to go around back is probably not the best thing. But what are other people protesting now, right? Other people are protesting the unjust killing um, of black and brown bodies. So if you look at the memory of Martin Luther King Jr., I think we've done him a grave injustice. Even if we can acknowledge that, hey, we're not where we need to be. But we can't act like Martin Luther King Jr. was just about, you know, picking up some trash and singing some songs. That's that's not the case. So with with all that being said about Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, I always like to have some type of solution when a problem or or an issue arises as opposed to just, quote unquote, complaining about it. Right. Um, 
so where do we go from here? What, where do we go? How do we kind of fix things? Well, the first thing is, is to is as much as possible to acknowledge the past for what it is. And what I mean by that is that any time that you you retell something that happened in the past, it's there's no way that it's going to be 100 percent accurate. That's just reality. However, um, we can't continue to view Martin Luther King Jr. through the uh, I have a dream quotes like that's not like that was one part of the man. Right. So Martin Luther King Jr. was targeted and consistently harassed by the by the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, specifically J. Edgar Hoover, you know, he had this long withstanding hatred for him and most prophetic black leaders of the day. Um, so with that, like, 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 why is that important to acknowledge? Well, it's important. So, and the reason why I said that we have to look at the past when, when you have people of color and, you know, when you have other individuals saying that they're facing police injustice and they're being targeted by certain, um, police institutions, and we want to recoil like that's never happened in the history of the United States. And this and it's just not true. It just might not have happened to somebody that you're aware of. Right. So we can't be afraid of the uncomfortable parts of the of a of a history that we don't that we just don't want to deal with. Like we want to see Martin Luther King Jr. as the crusader for what was right. He had to fight this invisible thing called racism. Um and he was killed for it but in the end his message lives on and we're hopeful and it's and it, and like i said yesterday that's just not the truth <laughs> it's not the truth people hated martin luther king jr most most of white america hated martin luther king jr and there were a lot of black people that did not like him at all because just for them to survive just for them to exist in society was enough and part of me understands it now that's not the decision that i would make but i definitely understand it you just you just want to make it through life with as little problems as possible. Um, so after history, where else do we go? Well, we also have to understand um, kind of what we need to do. So one of the biggest things that Martin Luther King Jr. started to do towards the end of his life is is to connect. Essentially, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. was based in the South. You know, his uh, home church is home church is in Atlanta, Georgia, Ebenezer Baptist Church. You know, the bump, the, the uh, Birmingham um, bus boycott is obviously in Alabama. So he was definitely had his baits in the South. And honestly, let's just be real. He had more of a middle class following. Um, and an individual like Malcolm X was definitely based more in the North, more in the slums of New York, you know, um, Harlem, things like that. And just being able to kind of see the parallels between racism in the South and racism in the North is something that Martin Luther King Jr. started to do later on in his life um, before he was tragically assassinated. So we have to look for the commonalities in us. Uh, we have to look for the things that bind us together as opposed to the things that separate us. And essentially, you know, we have to understand that there's strength in numbers. Um, so I watched um, War for the Planet of the Apes. And any time that I watch a movie, I always like to kind of take something out of it. So I'm in no way, shape, <laughs> form or fashion saying that this is what the director intended for this, you know, movie to, to like also uh, mean. But this is what I took from it. So we all know the premise, you know, um, the apes basically had a virus releasing to them that gave them consciousness all right so this is the third version of that and um one of the main themes is that caesar which is the head ape he continues to say apes together are strong and then they make this this gesture with both of their fists apes together are strong and obviously they're they're over over 
overpowered by the humans with like firepower and bombs and weapons but at the end of the movie you know like they are able to escape off into the wilderness and hopefully live a happy life but it's so true that together we are strong and one of the one of the things about war the planet of the apes is that they were all apes so every single one of them could look at each other and and recognize yes i am an ape just like you're an ape and sometimes i think that we need to do the same things like we look at each other and we don't look at everyone as human beings we uh, look at each other uh, he's rich he's poor he's black he's white he's gay he's trans he's like like all of us are human beings all of us So just to kind of finish this all up, let's uh, let's wrap this all up. Um, another thing about War of the Planet Apes that I that I really took from it is that they did have some apes working with the humans, and that's that's definitely a parallel that I see in in any society, regardless of American society. I mean, any society you'll have people that that uh, look like people that don't work for their interests. So you know, if we go back to um, if we go back to slavery and if we think about some of the overseers an, an overseer is essentially a person that was given a little bit of authority to enforce um, strict discipline on the field hands to make sure that the cotton was picked on time make sure people weren't you know running off things of that nature so some of the most brutal overseers weren't white but they were black you know they were obviously slaves themselves they were obviously brutalized they were obviously not treated as human but at the end of the day they still took on the mantle of um, essentially oppression now if i'm forced with being a slave i don't know how i'm going to react so i'm in no way judging them i'm just i'm just speaking the truth okay so this did happen this is this is a fact of our history that we can't ignore and in the movie the same was true man they had this huge gorilla who was kind of like their bodyguard and he was like loading up the humans with machine guns bazookas he's kind of like the muscle he'd beat up caesar like some other the apes if they kind of got out of line and Caesar just kept on talking to him. He's like, you know they don't respect you, right? You know, like, they call you a donkey and you're an ape. Like, you know that. And, like, each time this dude ignored him, he ignored him. And like, at the very end of the movie, he came through in the clutch, right? So he shot this rocket off to, to like, kill this guy. Um, and then they, of course, killed him and shot him. But it saved Caesar. And, like, that was his moment of awakening and I think that that's what we need to realize sometimes that we have to leave other people behind. Like Caesar didn't want that ape to be working with the humans, but everyone has a decision to make and everyone is responsible for their own decisions. And, and I think that it's high time that we speak the truth, that we're loving, that we're compassionate. But once we establish certain things, if someone still can't see you as human, if someone still wants to argue that you deserve to be hit because you're blocking traffic, if someone still doesn't want to acknowledge your your humanity because they disagree with your political philosophies, then it's time to stop arguing with them and, and, and once again, bind together with those that we agreed with. It doesn't mean that we call those, you know, people that disagree with us, we, we call them stupid and we call them names, but it does mean that I don't have the emotional energy to devote to someone um, if they can't even acknowledge a certain fact of, of nature that we're all equal, regardless of how you feel about me. If, if we can't even establish that, then there's no point of us continuing to have dialogue. And then, you know, if dialogue is able to happen later on, then that's fine. But I think that we need to bind together, that we need to bind other like-minded people together, whether that be 
material resources, whether that be mental resources, whether it be spiritual resources, we need the combination of all three. Um, because unfortunately, until we do see all of each other, uh, until like Martin Luther King Jr. stated, um, an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Until we see an injustice anywhere as a threat to everyone, things aren't going to get better. Like, I hate to say it because it's too easy to divide our population. It's too easy to to pick seg segments of people against each other. And then what do you have? You know, so I'm hopeful. I'm not mad. I'm not frustrated. I'm I'm hopeful. It doesn't mean that um, that I that I'm not realistic, but I'm definitely hopeful for the future. But I know that it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle and we have to be willing to fight it on multiple different fronts. Sometimes just going to work and being a positive influence is your battlefield. Sometimes raising young kings and queens is your battlefield. Sometimes going out into the street and protesting is your battlefield. So I don't want people to feel like you have to be marching in the street and blocking traffic in order to affect change. I absolutely disagree with that. Um, I think that everyone is called to do something different and whatever you're called to do, do it with all of your might and all of your heart and all of your soul and then bind together with other people that are doing similar things. And if we do that, I think we're going to be OK. Much love.